It's a great delight now to be able to say a big hello to John Alexander. He'll be part of our coverage of the Australian Open and also part of the ABC Tennis podcast. The first two episodes have already gone out alongside Catherine Murphy and John Millman. And John can join me now on Summer Grandstand. How are you? Well, very well. And I can go back a few more years and you went back just then <laughs> because this morning I had the pleasure of picking up my old doubles partner, Phil Dent, oh. at the airport out to visit his family. He lives in Texas now. And 50 years ago, he was a finalist to Jim Connors in the Australian Open. He lost in four sets, but he beat a young up-and-coming player by the name of Bjorn Ball on route in straight sets. So Phil and I had a big discussion about those great years that he had at the Australian Open. Oh, and moving, we, we were talking about this earlier today as well, and there's a great two-part series on ABC TV coming up this week, all about the history of the Australian Open and where it is now, the many stories on and off the court. But from the grass of Kuyong to where we are now, just, uh, just that whole transfer and what the Australian Open is now on the world stage. Well, it's got an extraordinary history. It started off as the Australasian Open because it used to be the combined Australian-New Zealand Championship, then it became the Australian Championship, and then in 1969 became the Australian Open. And it used to go from capital city to capital city, could be played in the same capital city in consecutive years, and that was designed to stimulate the interest in tennis and show, showcase tennis in each of the capital cities. So the, the first Open was actually played in Brisbane in 1969 and then found a permanent home at Kuyong and then the National Tennis Centre was built at Flinders Park. Did you stay up and watch? I know you were catching up last night, but the United Cup, before we get underway, this is all part of the lead-up to the Australian Open, going to after 2 o'clock this morning. Such a gripping encounter, Germany and Australia. Well, it, it really was. The women's singles, you, know, you were just talking uh, about that match, was one of the great matches. I mean, it's a bit cheeky to say that one of the great matches of this year, but throw in last year as well and throw in a few years before that. It was a gripping match. You had to feel for Isla, who mm. came so close, had match points. But she is such a positive uh, and, and professional player that uh, although she didn't win, she'll take out something from this that she's very much on the pace. She's had what she needs coming off a year that was interrupted with injury to have three really good matches. And, uh, you know, as close as she came, sometimes... Yeah, that hardens um, the, the the match toughness uh, going into the Open. So she's got another week to prepare, and uh, I think she'll do very, very well. But then, you know, after a tough first set, um, Alex Dimonor, um, Battle of the Alexanders, great name for a tennis player, um, <laughs> you know, he, he, he lost the first set. The commentators were making excuses. Oh, he's had a tough, tough week. He's had, you know, coming down from beating Novak Djokovic, flying back from Perth and, uh, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then he just steeled himself, set himself and, uh, you know, played a magnificent match. And in that win, for the first time in his career, he has made it on Monday when the rankings come out, he'll be in the top 10. So that's a, a big stepping stone for him. Great way to start the year. And just those three successive victories as we've been talking about, Taylor Fritz, Novak Djokovic and Alex Rev yesterday. What do you make of him and the prospect, well, first up, of course, for the Australian Open? Well, I th look, you couldn't have a, a better a prep. Um, some years ago, he, he got the final. I think he won the, the, the tournament in Sydney and went in a little bit overdone. 
but he's had these great matches. He'll have a great match tonight in the finals. Um, and then he's got, I think it's an exhibition match against Alcaraz on Wednesday of next week, a charity match. And that will be the, the finishing touches of his prep for the Australian Open. He'll go in well-rested. And I think it is very important, as Pete Sampras used to say, you can't win a Grand Slam in the first week, but you can certainly lose it. You can lose it either by being eliminated or being run into the ground and being a bit, bit weary going into the second week when you need to be fresh and at your best when you meet your biggest challenges. So I think um, Alex's prep this year with the experience and the good advice that he has around him coming from Tony Roach and, and Leighton Hewitt and others, um, that he's you know, really got his, he's got his preparation right. His game is maturing. He's uh, playing a, a very, very smart tennis. I think last night, most casual observers thought that Zarev would just wipe him because he's bigger and stronger. Mm. But Alex was able to chop his game up with a variety of shorter slice balls, attacking you know, spontaneously and without warning and having that element of surprise when he did attack and he kept his bigger opponent off balance and, and you know, there's an old saying in tennis, you, you only play as well as your opponent lets him. And, and Alex really did uh, throw um, Zarev off his game and, uh, and played a very, very smart match and, uh, and thoroughly deserved his win. So many stories. I'm just thinking about from the Brisbane International. We'll cross back there for another update in just a moment. But on the men's side to start, Novak Djokovic, well, in terms of all the build-up on the United Cup, and Rafael Nadal, who was there at the Brisbane International, he was eliminated in the quarterfinal stage and both under some form of injury clause, especially Rafael. What are your feelings in terms of him to start with Rafael, can he overcome these injuries to be a chance again at Melbourne Park? Well, the concern for Rafa is that it appears to be his hip that mm. he was injured, that he had injured. He had that operation in the middle of the year. Uh, he had not played for 12 months. He seemed to be in good form coming into the tournament in his first rounds. Um, Jordan Thompson played a great match, and uh, but the concern was that Rafa seemed terribly distressed that it was the left hip that was troubling him. So he's really got to do everything he can to get fit. Now, these were just the best of three set matches. The Australian Open, of course, is played over five set matches. Sometimes the weather can be really tough in Melbourne. It used to be that the French Open was the toughest Grand Slam to win physically because of the, the longness of the rallies on clay courts. But now because of the, the hard courts that are used at the Australian Open, which are hard on the body. I mean, there's no two ways about it. The US Open went uh, to hard courts in 1978. We went to hard courts in 88. And the lead-up tournaments that, that precede those two Grand Slams are all played on hard courts. So the players are playing a lot on hard courts. We see a lot more incidents of uh, knee injuries, hip injuries, and, and lower back injuries from the, the jarring of playing on hard courts and preparing for those tournaments. So um, you know, you, you've got to be you know, concerned about uh, Rafa at 37 years of age. Um, as I'd say in the used car market, he is not a one-owner, low-mileage vehicle. He is high-mileage, high-energy, and he's had his foot to the boards the whole way. Oh, so, yeah, and just thinking back to the last Australian Open um, that he was part of. And, and Novak Djokovic as well. I know so much to talk about. Your, your thoughts about him? Oh, look, I think... Novak is is fine. I think he he felt some tenderness in his forearm and wrist, 
um, you know, there is a story about the boy who called Fox um, and, you know, he took an injury time and I've been critical of him because, he, you know, he was allowed injury time. He had five minutes injury time. Then he wins the next five games. He wins the third set against Poland uh, 6-1. Um, last year, going into the, 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 the Open, he, he was a cloud of injury and there was concerns whether he'd play each match virtually. And um, I think the rules pertaining to injury timeouts really need to be looked at because there is no question that at times players in, in desperate competition will use these rules to gain a, a strategic tactical advantage over their opponents. And uh, I think you, know, you, you can be nice and say, well, this is you know, a resourceful competitor or it's all within the rules. But uh, I think when it gets beyond a certain point, these rules and how they're enforced, how they're interpreted need to be really looked at carefully because um, while we want to be very careful if a player is injured, that they have every chance to have that injury assessed and if they're likely to do further injury by continuing in the match, they should be advised to stop and not play. Um, and and if it's something that, you know, with a little massage and it's a mus muscle, you know, spasm and it can be you know, stretched out, okay, well and good, they allow that these days. In, in days gone by, um, the simple rule of tennis was play shall be continuous uh, and the, uh, there was no allowance for any sorts of injury treatment or, or time out. Uh, the other cute rule was the umpire's decision will be final and no correspondence will be entered into, which is a little bit where we're at now regarding the, the electronic calling of the, of the lines, which um, is final. Uh, there's some contest, I think, amongst the players whether it's always actually accurate, but it is Interesting to see how they, they accept the electronic calling. So much stuff to talk about off the court, on the court description as well. John, thank you for joining us. Just a, a couple of quick ones that we always ask at this time of the year and literally a week before it all gets underway. Your thoughts in terms of potential champions, the women's and the men's singles titles? Now, my, my silly answer to that always has been, I know who's going to win the men's singles and I know who's going to be the women's singles winner, but if I told you it, it'd spoil all the fun. And the real <laughs> truth is the women's event, like, yes, okay, well, Swartek is a, you know, a, a strong favourite, but you've got Coco Goff. Uh, you, you know, there's probably more than 10 players in the women's singles who have a real chance of winning. Uh, no question about that, a real chance of winning. Uh, in the men's, it might be a little narrower, but you probably can get, you know, seven or eight players. It's, it's a that's a you know, big, big field of realistic uh, possible champions. Um, you know, I think you see you know, whether it's Tsitsipas, who you know, we know can play great tennis and he's, he's due to, to, to win a major. Sinner finished the year playing as well or better than anyone. Alcaraz, on his day, proved last year he is one of the great players of all time. I mean, he was magnificent in the French until, until he tightened up. He won Wimbledon. Uh, he is a dynamic player. And then you've got a little guy called Novak, Novak Djokovic, who's the greatest player of all time. Uh, so it's a, it's a fantastic field. Both fields are great. Uh, it's incredible excitement. Um, yeah, you, you just, you know, you can go with the form and say, okay, well, you know, Djokovic has got to be, a, you know, he's coming off his best year ever. He's got to be a favourite, but you, know, you can't say, you know, he's a certain winner by a long shot. 
Appreciate your time, John, and also to be part of our commentary team of our coverage. We're so looking forward to it. And the daily podcast alongside Catherine Murphy and also John Millman. Just a quick one on John Millman. He hasn't been given um, a wild card for the Australian Open. His dreams really of being able to say farewell to his career. So qualifying is next, isn't it, for him this week? Well, I'm surprised uh, about that because, you know, he's been a loyal servant of Australian tennis and you know, many would think he, he deserved, but there may be others who are more deserving. Often they go with the younger player to give them the opportunity uh, to play. But the greatest characteristic that John Millman has is he is a ferocious competitor. He is a trier. He's got, you know, guts on top of guts. And uh, if you want to bet on someone to get through the qualifying, I'd I'm not allowed to bet on these events, apparently. I know too much, but I would bet on him, viewer. <laughs> bet <laughs> on John Norman to get through to the, the qualifying. Go for it. Oh, just a few days now. We will find out in the next few days. John Alexander, as always, great to chat with you. So looking forward to the Australian Open getting all underway this time next week. Very exciting times.